light. Hello, and welcome to American Pale Males. Light? <laughs> Do we still light. say that? Of course we say <laughs> that, because this is a light episode, Michael. It is a light episode. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and with me is the other host. It's me, Jeremy. Jeremy, are you ready for some trivia? Yes, sir. Bring it on. All right. I'm pulling from the Baby Boomer Edition card. Oh, Lord. This was made before Baby Boomer was used as a pejorative, and it was Mm -hmm. just a jolly old generation. It was just a defining characteristic. Yes. Now, generations are at war with each other, and uh, yeah, anyway. So I think these are going to be really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. For us, (laughs) not being Baby Boomers. Let's give it a try, though. And, you know, I just realized that some of the point of this is for us to have conversation about the questions, but I don't think we're going to be able to. But anyway, here we go. We can do a quick one. It is a light episode after all. That's true. What show teamed with Buck Owens and Roy Clark as co-hosts? This is TV. Oh, boy. Um, Buck Owens and Roy Clark? (laughs) Who are they? Okay. uh, Well, Roy Clark is a cowboy. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing Cowboy. Could it be like... Uh, I think it's Hee Haw. But I was going to say, I yeah. Always, I always confuse Buck Owens with Buck Angel, and that's a wildly different person. Okay. Uh, Hee Haw. I like that deduction, Jeremy. Let's see. Let's go for it. That is correct, Jeremy. Hell yeah. Very good. Hey, maybe this one is up your alley, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think it's Silver Screen. Okay. What 1958 horror movie was hyped... It crawls, it creeps, it eats you alive. Run! Probably the blob. 58, yeah? Look, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. that. Well, there was, one in, there was one around that time, and then there was another one in uh, 80-something with Matt Dillon. It's, it's, they're both pretty good. All right, well, with the blob, that is correct, Jeremy. I'm smoking this thing, buddy. Yeah, I like it. When you were young, and you would go, I'm assuming you went to the library, did you ever, when, I mean, like, and I do mean young, like eight. Did you mm-hmm. ever see those? Uh, there was these orange books. They had black and white covers, orange oh. spines and backs, and they were all about the Universal movie monsters. That sounds vaguely familiar now that you say it. Because I got those all the time, to the surprise of absolutely no one. <laughs> right, right. Books and horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. that sounds so familiar now that you say oh, that. Boy. I wonder what it's called. Anyway, okay. Uh, this is yellow. Uh, the initials are NN, so I don't know exactly what that means. Who won 42.4% of the vote in the 1968 New Hampshire Democratic primary? Okay, 68 was. 68. That was Nixon. Right. Goldwater. When was Goldwater? No, Goldwater. Never mind. That Democratic. So who was running against Nixon at that time? Goldwater ran against Nixon at one point. I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to hate myself if I'm wrong. But Goldwater was a huge conservative, right? You're right, you're right. No, Goldwater, oh, Lord. I want to Google this so badly. I know. We're sure, so Nixon won in 68. Nixon Nixon won in 68. He also won in 62. 68, 68, oh, God. Oh, Lord, I'm going to... Oh, it was, uh, was it Johnson? Um, I thought Johnson gave the speech that he's not... Seeking the re-election, though. Oh, oh God, this is going to make me angry. I remember in that uh, one of those big highfalutin election books that I read this year, they talked about uh, George Wallace ran as a Democrat at one point because he knew he wasn't going to win as a Republican because mm-hmm. Nixon had it locked. Maybe Wallace? 
Let's go George Wallace just to get this on the road. Yeah. It's Eugene McCarthy. Oh, God. Does that ring any bells? No. I mean, he he was briefly mentioned in my Hunter S. Thompson book that I read this year, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. But uh, Eugene McCarthy was an American politician and poet from... Poet? from Minnesota. He was a senator. He uh, challenged incumbent Lyndon B. Johnson on an anti-Vietnam platform. He would unsuccessfully seek the presidency five times. Good gravy. Huh. Ah, crazy. Okay, continue. All right. What Arizonian wrote the conscience of a conservative? Uh, Arizonian. McCain? That's like the main Arizonian I know. That's the only Arizonian. But wouldn't he be in a prison camp at this time is a baby boomer oh wait no that doesn't have a year i was thinking it was 68 but that was the last question uh-huh so that's legitimate let's go with him okay because I, I don't know anybody else from arizona i mean the only other arizona conservative i know is joe arpaio jeremy you're gonna be disgusted with this was it goldwater it is goldwater <laughs> I didn't know he was from Arizona. I didn't know that either. I figured he'd be like from the East Coast or something. I have a book on Barry Goldwater sitting up on the shelf next to uh, John Adams and the Washington book. Is that what you're going to read next year? Uh, probably not. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to need a break from the political history. I'm about 65% through the Hamilton book, and it's uh, it's slowly driving me crazy. Okay. It's really good, but it's so much, and it's so dry. Next question. What protege of Christian Dior introduced the chic beatnik look in 1960? I don't know. <laughs> Chanel? I was going to say, yeah, Coco Chanel. I don't know if she was a protege of Christian Dior. Me neither, but that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Gianni Versace was the 80s. Oh, I don't know how to say this. Um, Saint Laurent? Saint Laurent? Saint Laurent, yeah, Eve, YSL, Eve, I believe Eve's, is abbreviated. Eves? Eves Saint Laurent. Oh. I'm okay with not knowing that. <laughs> uh, last question, RPM. What was the name of Jimi Hendrix's first band? His first band. I mean, is, is it the experience? Probably. I didn't. I don't think he lived long enough to have multiple bands. Yeah, I was going to say that. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up. The Jimi Hendrix experience, yes. Yeah, buddy. So three out of six. I'm, uh, I'm that's okay better than that. I thought when I first just kind of glanced at the questions. I mean, I'm a little upset about... Goldwater? The Goldwater one. But other than that, like, I'm down with all of that because, I mean, stuff we didn't know is... That was, that was some deep cuts in there. Oh, definitely. And I mean, at no point in the introduction to the show did we say anything about fashion knowledge. <laughs> right. That's the other podcast we do. Yeah, the secret one. Uh-huh. <laughs> that no one listens to. But three of six, that's good. But uh, yeah. Michael, you know what time it is. Yeah. It's time for the FDR where we find a beer, drink a beer, and rate a beer. Jeremy, what do we have this week? We're taking a night call from Carbon 4 Brewing. In lovely Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, this is a smoked porter. I've I've been looking forward to this one since I got this one in the uh, the dead drop. Yeah, yes, it's a really Back to the Future '80s. It's neon. Yes, looking car on the uh, similarly styled label. Indeed. Here's some flavor text for you. Robust all day without dictating your life. <laughs> this is the porter that 
Other dark beers hang a poster of on their own bedroom wall. Malt sweetness is just present enough to enhance the dark chocolate and roasted coffee flavors without destroying the drinkability. This brew provides a subtle smoke profile that simultaneously creates new fans of dark beer and tames the beast inside the bold beer aficionado. Uh, it's a 6.5% ABV. So I, uh, I explained to Michael off-air that uh, for those of you that remember the 2009 question mark movie Drive featuring Ryan Gosling, it has a signature song that's very synthy and uh, 80s just piercing synthesizers that just kind of drill through your head. And it was by a guy named Kavinsky, and the song is called Night Call, a la the beer. And the album that the song came from is about a man who crashes a 1986 Testarossa and wakes up in 2006 fused with the car. It's truly insane, and I highly recommend you look it up, but I suspect that that's what this beer is named after. Yeah, the uh, car featured on the... Uh... It looks pretty cool. Yeah, and actually, that if you look on the right-hand side there, there's people there, too, and a bunch of cameras. I wonder if it's like Outrun, the game. <laughs> Remember that one on Sega? Where was that like a first-person driver game? Uh, first-person-ish. Okay. But that's neither here nor there, and we're doing light episodes these days, Michael. So let's open this thing. I figured this one might be good for the uh, kind of wintry-type season we're in. Um, so it poured with a like, no bubbly, chocolatey... Yeah, it's gone already. It like just fizzed up the head, and then it went down. It was brown, though. Mm-hmm. Nose is... Pretty malty. Roasty. A little smoky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, roast. Yeah, you're, it's not so much malty as roasty, yeah. Mm-hmm. The nose is a pretty good mix between the malt and the uh, the smoke. Because I don't know if you've had a Roush beer before. I suspect yes. you have. Mm-hmm. Those things go kind of crazy with, with the uh, smoke. Smoke. Oh, yeah. This one does not seem that intense. But let's go in. Yes. I did just that, and actually you're prediction holds true oh wow yeah it did interesting <laughs> there's a nice twinge of smoke there but it's not like a roush beer it's pretty measured so it's which i think is a good thing oh very much so and a decent uh amount of roasty roastiness up front it almost seems like a uh when you've been around a campfire for too long mm. and, you, and you come in and you've got all the smoke in your hair and you can still smell it afterwards it's yeah, kind of yeah. like that feeling in a good way yeah, you're not campfire adjacent. You are away from the campfire remembering the uh, the smells mm-hmm. and the aura. It's got a little bit of chocolate on there, like as it said. Just a slight, yeah. A little bit of a super dark coffee in there, too. It's kind of effervescent, a little bit, or a porter. It does kind of have a shocking amount of fizz to it. Hmm. That smoke is really, really nice. Yeah. I wonder how they do things like that. I can't imagine that it's liquid smoke. Because that's just a terrible idea. Right. Or if they just smoke some of the malts, I imagine that's what they do. Or if they smoke yeah. the beer, I don't know. What are you thinking about this one, Michael? Yeah, it's it's nice. The Going back in, the flavor doesn't change that much, which I think is good. Like if it accumulated or went too much in the smoke direction, it could get old. It's kind of just staying steady, which is good. The balance is superb. Yeah. Having said that, though, like it's not, and maybe this is style, too. It's not like wowing me or anything. I mean, are you huge on porters? I do enjoy a good porter quite a bit. I think the the 101, the defining porter that immediately comes to mind is Founders Porter, mm. which is a really good beer. It's it's rich, it's roasty, it's chocolatey, it's coffee 
but it doesn't like go flying off the rails in any one direction. As a matter of fact, this one seems like that beer, except with smoke on it. Oh, okay. Maybe that's part of what I think, because to me, there's from one porter to the next, there's that not that much differentiation. They all seem kind of standard. Hmm. And maybe I haven't had that many with a critical tongue. Maybe that's the problem, because I oh. often steer away from them. What was the uh, last porter that you know you had? Mm. You know, I don't know. It probably was on this show. Because we've had stouts out the wazoo in this past uh, couple months. Right. We had an entire month of stouts, actually. But I think I kind of enjoy the porter more than I do the stout. And maybe that's because we just had so many of them. <laughs> that, you know, I'm able to pick out, like, all the little things that I like and dislike about them. Like, I like that this one isn't very sweet at all. Like, it just has just enough of the malt sweetness to combat the the potential acrid nature of a roasted malt. I do like that, too, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. when we did the, uh, oh, what was that black beer that we made called? Drinkenstein's Monster? Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. That one had too much roasted malt in it. Or too much, just like super dark roasted C300 <laughs> or whatever it was in there. And that one got ashy, but this one has just the right amount of sweetness to kind of cover that up. Yeah. Or, it... not, not cover it, but just uh, balance it out. That's a better way to put it. Mm. I think that ashy flavor, and maybe I've just had bad ones in the past, is what steers me away from porters. And I don't think that's too much of an issue with this one. But I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe I it's just I need like the right situation to have a porter or the right pairing to have a porter. I guess now is a good time for porters because mm-hmm. you know wintry. At least that's what I associate them with. Maybe that's even a misconception that I have. But mm-hmm. I guess it's not bad or anything. What do you think would make this better in your mind? Or is it if it just wasn't a porter? Maybe. I don't know. I think... Well, let me say this, though. For the smoke, I think this style is probably the best support you can give the smoke flavor. I don't know what else could carry smoke I mean, maybe a this. Or a stout. Yeah. I mean, which they're cousins, essentially, in styles. I'm sure we could drill down and figure out what the exact differences are, but they're quite similar in a lot of regards. The only main difference many brewers still agree upon is the kind of malt that should be used to brew each type of beer. Porters use malted barley, and stouts are primarily made from unmalted roasted barley, which is where the coffee flavor most people associate with stout comes from, from vinepair.com. Trusted resource. Yes. Well, that's astute. I'm I'm glad we learned something this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that makes sense because this is roastier than a lot of the things we've been having. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the primary flavor and the uh-huh. secondary flavor is smoke. So, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't think I could say what would make it better because I, I don't think you can add any adjuncts with the smoke there. The smoke is the adjunct and to try and like say smoked vanilla or smoked chocolate to me, uh-huh. it would be too weird. You'd have to take the smoke out to put something else in. True. So, I really like this beer. This one's really mm-hmm. hitting the spot. And at the risk of pulling back the curtain too much, you know, we just had an IPA a little bit ago, and this is a very nice contrast to that. I will agree with that. Yeah, this two vastly different styles that have their own vastly different positives, I guess you could say. The The chocolate is starting to shine more as it warms up. Um, I find with dark beers that if I hold them in my hand... 
like the entirety. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds redundant, but if you hold it in your hand like the entire time rather than set it down. Let it sit, yeah. It warms it up at a faster clip, obviously. But with exo and endothermy and all that, not, I, don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember which one is which. Go on, yes. <laughs> but it kind of mutates the uh, the flavor a little bit faster. And the smoke is starting to dissipate a little bit. Or maybe I, it, I was, yeah, it's gonna... Or maybe it's just the tongue getting used to it. I'd believe either one. It's mellowing out a bit. You know how I said earlier it wasn't evolving. Well, now as it warms, it it is. Yes. And that chocolate is really starting to come out. Yeah, yeah, and I um I'm liking it more too. And so maybe that was uh maybe that was you know, the plan deficiency. all along. Though. Yeah, right. So yeah, I was formulating my rating. I almost had it locked, but um you know as you were saying that, and I was drinking it, noticed that too, and so I'm changing my rating. Well, I'm gonna go in for my rating. Okay. I'm gonna give this a 4.0. Okay. This is solid. I really like this beer. But as we've established, this could get a little old. Yes. I do like the smoke, but I feel like it's burning out my palate. Mm. I think this kind of falls into the freak beer category. Yeah. Because of, because of the smoke. The smoke, yeah. It's bordering there. It's not like smoked banana or something like that, but... Smoked banana. That actually weird. might not be that bad. Because <laughs> smoke and sweet go together well. I'm going to give it a 3.75. I was thinking about 3.5, but as it warms up, I like it, and I, I have to give it its just desserts because it's kind of it's kind of a beer. dessert beer. <laughs> like uh, Bananas Foster or something like that? I, was I don't know. just thinking of that because <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know it's a dessert that seems elaborate, like one of those things that, like, the mother in a 1960s sitcom would have an irrational fascination with. It was like, oh, you know, we're going to go see Perry Como or or whatever. All right. Well, in any case, this is another one down the gullet. Indeed it is. Look out for your own smoked porter in your neck of the woods. But if you want to check us out, it's APM Pod everywhere, including on tap where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with all of our ratings. And rate, review, subscribe if you can. But we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.